Ready to get in the Word? All right, so the Bible. Here's our question for today. The Bible, how do I interpret and apply its teaching? All right, just going to get real practical here. Are you ready? Okay, let's read this. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's giving some instruction. And I'm going to pick up in verse 14 of chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, where he says this. He says, remind them of these things. That's what I'm doing. I'm reminded. Because there's a lot of stuff we've got to keep reminding, and I need to be reminded and reminded and reminded because I, I always slip, right? So it doesn't matter if I use some of the same illustrations and preach some of the same stuff over. You need to be reminded. Just, just that's, I'm just saying that, okay? You ever notice when someone says, just saying, it's like they probably said too much. Just saying, okay. Uh, so remind them of these things and charge them. So this is kind of like getting into the command, you know, command them, charge them before God not to quarrel about words. Any quarreling going on these days? It says, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Uh, do your best. This is one word in the original Greek. In the old translation, translates study to show yourself proved, but the word is actually not study. The word literally means to make haste and to exert yourself is literally what the word means. So to do your best, some translations say to be diligent, but it means to work really hard and get after it right now to show that you're someone that God will approve. I want to be pleasing to God. So this is our goal in all of this, right? To be diligent, to do our very best, to give it all we've got to God as one approved by Him. That's what it's meaning there. A worker. So I'm going to be serving. I'm going to be working. A worker who has no need to be ashamed. Why? Because I'm working so hard to please God and be approved, right? It says rightly handling the word of truth. Boom. That's it. Rightly handling. Some translations say rightly dividing. The original language speaks of cutting straight. And, and that's neat because anybody here know Paul's occupation uh, that he did on the side? Uh, he's a tent maker. You know, in Acts 18, we find where that's mentioned. He was a tent maker. And so they had to cut these patterns. And so just like with the word of God, we got to cut it straight and according to the pattern. And so that's kind of what's kind of behind that word there to rightly handle the word of truth. Then he says, but avoid irreverent babble. Now, if part of what we're going to hear as we go through this is part of understanding it is understanding the time is written, the culture is written, and so forth and so on, which was a couple thousand years ago. And those principles that we pull out still apply to us. Culture may have changed, but people still the same, except they couldn't do it at the speed of light. We can uh, have irreverent babble at the speed of light today. It's called social media. Right? So he'd probably be saying, watch out, watch you, all the stuff you spend your time reading comments and all the posts that you make. <clears throat> Avoid it. Don't get tied up in all that. Avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. And I pray that you just open up our hearts to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now, let me just start saying this. I love it that when we are, are having more and more times here that we have people that um, we're just kind of getting the swing of trying to be able to come together and, and hopefully things don't get worse and we have to back up. But, but anyway, um, but, but more and more, I love to see people that are just discovering 
God's truth and in, in the in, in the gospel and coming to embrace Christ as Savior and to have a relationship with God and to, to grow as a disciple of Him. And but you know what? Uh, when you first kind of get in, it's just kind of confusing. Now, some of you that were raised, and this is the best thing of all. If you can be raised going to church and you learn these things, and you know you're like in kindergarten, first grade, and you're memorizing the books of the Bible, you know how that you know how much that'll help you in life. You know, I mean, just doing something simple uh, and, and, you know, memorizing things is like it's like a whole new issue to me nowadays. Right. But whenever you're that age and, and things that you will remember the rest of your life, you learn when you're young. And I just want to encourage parents and parents listening anywhere. You need to have your kids in in, in the Bible classes and Sunday schools and learning these things. And we've got, you know, the, the Bible memorization and, and Bible drill and CTS and all of that. It, it just helps so much to get that foundation. But um, but still, it can be a confusing book. And if you're just getting into it, it's like, and if, you, if you've never been in church and we want to continue to reach people that's never heard the message of the Bible and we want to continue to reach people that have never really assembled together in church and, and when you first come in here, it can be a little confusing. So what do we do here, right? And, and, and somehow or another, we used to assume people are supposed to know, right? They don't know. It's kind of like playing golf. And when I first, you know, hey, growing up in Rosebud, we didn't have a lot of golf courses out there in the cow pastures and things. And I didn't really grow up, grow up playing it. And then, like, Clarissa's dad and brothers all played. And I kind of, the first time I was going, I mean, it's just like, I didn't understand what is a bogey, you know? Because I had, like, lots of double, triple, quadruple. I didn't know what that was. But anyway, uh, and so if you didn't know it, you know, it's kind of like I played golf with Caleb a little bit, took a little break. I snuck away. I, I have to admit, I snuck away from camp. We played a little bit of golf. And, and you know what? Man, I outscored him something fierce. I mean, I almost made 100. You know what I'm saying? And he said, and he was like 74, which I still was letting you be the one taking charge of kit. And I'm still wondering about that. So, you know, it's like, you know, how'd you do? I mean, I outscored him. I outscored him bad, right? But if you don't understand golf, you're impressed. If you understand it, you're shaking your head. Several of you, most of you are doing that. Or like, what about the first time you went to Starbucks? You remember the first time with Starbucks? You don't remember. You've just like always gone to Starbucks. All your, oh, you've never gone. Okay, well, you're probably smarter than the rest. But anyway, you know, so the first time I go in there, you know, I'm a little bit of a coffee freak. So I'm going to try this. And the person in front of me, you know, they, you know, they, they step up there and they go like, I want an ice single grande mocha, no whip. I'm like, what? <laughs> what did they just do? I don't know if I can order anything now. Uh, you have to learn the whole system, you know. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, uh, so anyway, a lot of people are that confused about the Bible. It's just, you know, about what, what it doesn't make sense. They don't even know where to start. And, and when I tried that, and I've had people tell me, so I opened that Bible, and I started reading it, and it made no sense to me. And I couldn't even understand the language. Um, so uh, there's got to be somebody there to help us, right? And that's what, part of what we're here to equip the saints. And um, so, like I said, assumed, it's assumed the first time you come to church, you're just going to know these things. But there's not a person here, the first time they really started trying to get into this book, weren't intimidated. And maybe could get in, confused very easily. So today, I want to look at that. And uh, I want to uh, deal with three of the most common questions that I'm asked by people concerning the Bible. First of all, how do I read it? And secondly, how do I interpret it? How do I know what it's saying? And, and thirdly, how do I apply it to my life? Now, these are all important, but the goal of the first two questions is to get you to the third one, right? 
that if you don't apply it, I mean, you can read it every day and you can rightly understand it and interpret it, and, uh, but if you don't apply it to your life, it's not going to do you any good. On the other hand, you're not going to be able to apply it to your life if you don't read it and understand what you've read. So they're all very, very important. So first of all, let's get right in it. Uh, how do I read it? How do I read it? Well, the first thing you need to do is get a good study Bible. We've got a lot of good tools. You can get the YouVersion Bible app. You can use there. But I, I tell you, I just think we're wise to have a good hard copy of the Bible and uh, to have a good copy of the Bible that you can read through, that you can highlight verses, that you can make notes and things like that. How do you know one of these days electronics aren't going to fail, all right? I mean, hey, if it's not going to happen, who would have thought we haven't had, I miss baseball so bad. Who would have thought that the stadiums would still be empty, you know? And, that, and, and I think America needs Jesus, number one. But I think we need baseball, too. It brings us together, you know? I, I guarantee you, in some of these cities where they're all fussing and, you know, if their team wins a championship, all of a sudden everybody's hugging each other. It's amazing how God uses baseball. Maybe I'm off track on that. But what I'm saying is, is there's a lot of things that you never would have thought of happening that are happening. And so, in case electronics fail, I don't want everything to be electronic, right? I don't even think anymore. I've got to start dialing phone numbers, you know, because they're all in your contacts. And if something happens, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, lost, and I don't have my phone, and I'm dazed, uh, and, and can I call someone for help? And I'm like, uh, <sighs> I barely even know my number, you know. So I've got to start memorizing some of your numbers, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start memorizing some of your numbers and then I'm going to start calling you more often. And so I actually have to dial it because that's the best way to memorize it is to actually do it, to dial it and, and punch it in, you know, instead of just hitting your, you know, like, uh, you know, contact card or, you know, uh, recent calls and just, you know, redial you, things like that. I'm going to start doing that more often. And then when I have a problem, I'll be able to call you. Right? Right? So, so that's the way you learn. And with the scriptures, you've got to get in it and you've got to actually do it. It just doesn't, you know, happen by, by some osmosis or something. I don't know. But you've got to get in it. You've got to put your eyes on it. You've got to read it. You can listen uh, as you're reading. And some, even the Bible apps, you can read and listen at the same time if you struggle with reading. But it's good to have, I think, a good hard copy and, and to use it. And you know what? It can be passed on to those that come behind you. Another thing I want to say is get a good translation that you can actually understand. Now, this can be a hot topic. And we've studied through this. And if you've got questions on this, you and I need to get together afterwards and talk about it. Now, I love the old King James. That's what I grew up with, okay? But I realized, though, and I got caught up in a lot of things about it when I was young. And then as I began to look at all of the different conspiracy theories and all the different this about any translation sense and stuff, I began to look at it and I, I began to realize that there are a lot of people who falsely think that it's the only thing that came from God. And I got, as I said, caught up in that a little bit myself early on. But as I studied deeper, I found that all the controversies and all the theories and all the things that are propagated just do not pan out. And the truth is, is that since 1611, we have found older and probably more accurate manuscripts, many more. And here's something else. Now we have actually a better understanding of Koine Greek than they did then. And the truth is, is then they did the best they could and they did fine. They relied a lot on the Latin. But uh, now uh, the thing about it is, is that 
the object was is to have a modern English translation that is updated in, in our language. And what a lot of people don't realize is that it was updated some 18 times or so until about the middle part of the 1700s and it froze. And that's what a lot of people use today. So if you're going to use the original 1611, you need to go look at that page we've got on the wall in between our auditorium and our fellowship hall. There's a page out of the original 1611 and good luck reading it. Okay, good luck, because it was updated. So a lot of people, and if you've got struggles with that, and you've got questions, you need to find the right answers, and you need to ask those questions. And you might think, well, why is part of this verse missing in that translation or this? There's a good part of the reason is that the manuscript evidence probably suggests that it may not originally been there. And, well, they're trying to take it out of the Bible. Well, the fact that it's missing from the end of that verse in Luke, but if they were trying to take it out of the Bible, they did a bad job, because in Matthew's account, it's there. Like, that's probably where it originally was. And so you got to watch out about that. And people use emotion more than fact on it. So please, when I say that, and I just want to take this much time on that, uh, but I want to take too much time on it because this has been one of the most divisive things. And here's the thing. I see people that are coming to faith, and they're excited to grow, and somebody work them over on this, and all of a sudden, they just don't want anything to do with any of it. Okay? Or, or here's another thing. You grew up not reading Elizabethan English, and you can't understand... You've not been around church because a lot of us, we can kind of understand that. And then it's shoved on you. And you just, after a while, it's like, I cannot understand ancient language. And so it really doesn't apply to me. And they throw it down. So here's the thing. Some people meaning well, thinking that this is what we, is the most accurate when actually it's not, have forced that on people. And it's been a barrier. Because, as I said before, if I were going to go into some tribe, some lost tribe, and learn their language and try to get the scriptures in their language so they can read it, I don't think I would find out how they spoke 400 years earlier and put it in that. You, you, know, you can use the older translations, and you're fine. They're fine. But I'm just saying you need to get something. There are many good, solid translations. I am using the English Standard Version. It's a literal translation, and uh, I enjoy using it. Uh, we have used the New King James as well as the Old King James. New Living is more of a dynamic translation, but it's fun to read. But listen, what I'm saying is get in the Word. Don't let this controversy, don't let the confusion, don't let it scare you off. Please! I mean, there's people out there always bellering and hollering and frothing at the mouth over this subject. Like a rabid dog. Get in the word of God. Satan's back there laughing at us because of this stuff. If you've got a question about a translation, I will give you information, not just my... I'll give you my opinion, too. That's the neat thing about my opinion. You really don't even have to ask for it. I just give it out there freely. But I'll try to give you information so you can form your own opinion. How about that? Okay, all right, so, and understand this, the Bible is basically written in two languages, Old Testament and Hebrew, and the New Testament in Greek, common Greek. And every single Bible that has been since is a translation of that, okay, please, no matter what language it is. Uh, so anyway, you need to know that, get something that you will read and can read, and that is accurate, okay, um, and then also... You need to understand how it's organized. We covered this a few weeks ago that the Bible is actually a library of books. Some people are just so like, oh, that helps me to know that. Don't just assume everybody knows that. 
that this is a book that contains many books. Often the books carry the name of the writer, like Isaiah or Matthew. Uh, sometimes the name of the book is, it concerns a main event that happens in that book, like Genesis or Exodus. Or it may be the name of those to whom it is written, like Romans or Ephesians. Or it might indicate the type of writing, like Psalms or Proverbs or Acts, or the actions or history of the apostles. Uh, and then also understand that we have chapter breaks and verse breaks in here. Now, you also need to know that those weren't a part of the original text. When Paul wrote Timothy, this second letter, he wrote it, and uh, he didn't put verse and chapters in it. He just wrote the letter like you would write a letter, but it was centuries later that we found it useful to go through the Bible and to break it apart. It helps us find. And it's better than saying, okay, turn to 2 Timothy, and I want you to count down like five paragraphs, and then two sentences over, and we'll start reading there. It's easier to say 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, right? So that was supplied later on. You need to know that. That's not inspired of God. That's why sometimes when we're teaching through a book of the Bible, instead of stopping at the end of the chapter, we may go over a verse or two because that's the more natural break uh, instead of where the chapter break that was put in there is. So you need to know that. Man did that to help us be able to read it and understand it. And if you're, if you're just um, uh, using the Bible without any study helps, let me say this. Get started. Do it. It's like I was talking about getting out and getting on the river and doing some fishing. And I just haven't been able to I talk about it all the time. You know, get out there and, 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 and stuff. And then I'll talk about how much I don't get to go. Right, right, right. Has that happened? I don't get to go. You know, I just, I just, and I was talking about it, you know, a week or two ago. And the Clarissa just says, just do it. Go now. Just go. Go do it. <laughs> I'm trying to use myself as an illustration there because that's safer that way. Um, but there's so many of you keep talking about wish you could understand the Bible, wish this, you're having problems, you're doing all this stuff, and, and just get started, do it. And if you're not using a lot of study help, start with Jesus. Start in the four Gospels. They're biographies of Jesus, and, and they kind of approach it from different angles, okay? And um, then I, I like to have, then I like, I like, for us to go through a chronological study. The Bible isn't necessarily laid out in a chronological fashion. It's hard to understand God is your savior if you don't understand he's your creator. And we're actually on Wednesday nights and the adults, we're doing a chronological study. We've just started it. Seven o'clock, we're meeting and we're going using John Cross's Worldview Rethink, Stranger on the Road to Emmaus, that study that goes from creation to resurrection. And we're going to be working our way through that. And it just helps you understand what is the message of the Bible. And then, you know, as you study, it's good to get into some shorter letters like James and things like that. And we've got a lot of good study helps here. What we do like the hour before this one in our Bible studies and Sunday school classes, things like that, is amazing. And our, our, uh, our senior adult uses a Bible scholar, and you guys are studying through Hebrews right now. And it's a powerful study. And in the D6, which D6 comes from Deuteronomy 6, and that has to do where Moses was telling them about how they're to take these things and they're to teach them to their children, not just have lessons, but talk about them as you get up and when you lie down, when you're walking on the road, wherever you go, be sharing these things. should be a natural part of our lives. We've actually got Bible study that's geared to help you do that. Adults and children are studying the same things, and you get stuff to take home, things to help you talk about it during the week. And in that class, we're talking about, I'm so neat, in, we have three different parts of it. Like the first part of the quarter of the first month in June, we were in Philippians and we're studying about joy and about freedom in Christ. We need some joy these days. 
Then the central part is a topical, and it is going to be on true religion, and it's going to deal with social issues. That starts next Sunday, okay? You can jump in one of these. We're going to be studying in the minor prophets as they dealt with a lot of social issues. Uh, and, then, and then you get into August, it goes to the Old Testament. So you get a New Testament, a topical, and an Old Testament. And so and, and we're going to go to study about what it's like to stand alone for God and stand up for God. And we're going to be going to the Old Testament to Daniel and studying Daniel. And so that's what's coming up there. And so it's got stuff you can read every day. It's got little devotions. It's got little stuff you can take with you. And here's what was talking to some of our guys in, in our cabin and different ones at camp. When I first started feeling God touch my life and draw me and start calling me, I knew I needed to get into the Word. I got to get into the Word. One of the first things you know that helped me is I just started getting... Well, I didn't have any choice about going to Sunday school with my parents. We went. But I started listening. Amazing how much that helped is to just listen. And then I actually started reading my lesson that they already were given. I thought, these are amazing. And I started doing the Bible readings during the week. You'd be shocked how much that helped. We've got that same thing available here for adults all the way down to kids. If we would take advantage of it. I'm just saying, we give tools. And like um, in our Bible scholar class, you guys use this, this book here, Depth. It is a daily devotional guide. And I just keep hearing you guys talk about how much you love this and look forward to this. It's just tools. Tools that we try to just make available to help out. But we've got to get started doing it. You've got to get busy and get started. All right, so read it. Get into it. We're giving you tools. Some good tools if you want to get in Bible study. If you start out with just a concordance and a Bible dictionary, you can get started. Get started. It's your spiritual food. Now, I've got to hurry through the rest of this because you guys took so much time with me on the first part of this. Okay? Because um, you were listening so, so well. All right. So how do I interpret it? How do I know what it's saying? Well, just like you interpret anything else. The normal rules of literary interpretation apply, just like if you were reading anything else or even Shakespeare or whatever. It's good to ask questions like who, what, when, how. So that's what I'm going to do. You must ask, who is writing this? So, you know, here it is. Who is writing this? Find out a little bit about that. To whom is it written? Find out a little bit about their background and what's going on. And why is it written? A good Bible dictionary will help you do a lot of these things right there. Why was, what's, what's the big idea? What's the big message? As I probe a little deeper, I investigate things like the background and the culture of the passage. And it helps to know that, right? Because even when there's cultural issues that were of their time and place that are dealt with, still it may apply to us differently, but it means what it means, and there will be a principle that carries over. Just like some of the issues that come up in the Bible that are a little different from us now, because people ask about those things, and, and so we understand some of it's cultural, like when Paul told in Romans that we're all to greet each other with a holy kiss. Yeah, how does that go with COVID-19, huh? <laughs> Pucker up, buttercup, here we come, right? Yeah, I'm so glad we don't do that. But see, we know there's a principle. We're not literally to be kissing each other. That's not like a command, just like some other places where he talks about different issues that they had that were culturally showing different things, whether it's submission or whether it's whatever, okay? Um, but with this, we would always interpret that handshake. Well, now they say we need to be careful of shaking hands. And so, you know, so Paul is basically, there's a principle that's saying that you greet and welcome one another however you do it. Their custom was they mwah, mwah, did that kind of stuff, you know? They, 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 maybe they, I don't know, I wasn't there. Maybe they just smacked right on the, I don't know. Maybe they just puckered up and went, and I, whatever it was, you know, there, there's not even, I'd have to 
Purell and Gargle afterwards, right? But, but anyway, so now, you know, and, and when you study, like, with all this going on in the old days when, like, cholera and typhoid, they, they understood how, a little bit about how things transmitted. Instead of shaking hands, which has always been a custom, they would bow, right? Bow. I've tried that. I can't not shake hands if people want to shake hands. That's just... A thing, but but there's a print. See what I'm saying? There's cultural, but then even though culturally it's different from us, the principle doesn't change about greeting and welcoming and being hospitable to each other. That's that's a, that's the deal there. And ask yourself, what's the main idea here? I mean, what's the main idea? What's Paul's main idea? A year ago, we taught verse by verse through First Timothy and wanted to keep out there. What's the main idea? Because sometimes we never can see where the forest is because all the trees are in the way. We get lost in it. And so it helps us lay that foundation out there so we can, if we, what is the big idea? That helps us properly interpret it. Then you can interpret what you found with the basic principles of interpretation. There are basic principles that apply to all literature. It's not like the Wild West where you just take it any way you want to take it. You might say, well, it might mean that to you, but it means this to me. No, it doesn't mean two different things. I'm sorry. Now, listen to me very carefully. There may be something and you understand what it means. There are applications it may, there may be things that I've read that it means what it means, but it may apply in more than one way. Apply. The meaning hasn't changed. The principle hasn't changed. But ways that it applies to me and you may be different and may change over time. Are you getting this? Does that make sense? Okay. Because I'm going to say that strongly because Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1.20, know this first. You're going to get this down. I probably should have started with this since he says first, right? But he says, know this first. That no prophecy of scripture is a private, any private interpretation. It doesn't mean one thing to you and mean something to someone else. It may apply differently, but it doesn't mean differently. And beware of over-spiritualizing texts. Like in the parables, usually Jesus had one big idea he was trying to get across. Some of the story maybe you know, he'll usually tell us later, this means this and this represents that. There may be some things that don't represent anything. It's just part of the story. Okay, don't over-spiritualize things and try to make them mean something they don't. And be sure you deduce instead of induce. That what I want to do, especially as we teach verse by verse, this message is more topical, but I love doing verse by verse, where we take a verse and we, we, we take out of it. We take out of it. Here's the words, here's the, look at the grammar, and we look at the context, we look at the background, and I'm going to bring out, that's what God wants me to do, is bring out the meaning of this, Here's what it means, and then how does this apply to us today, and how do we respond to it? And by the way, there are several of us doing small groups that are using uh, Robbie Gallaty's uh, discipleship uh, um, material and his method, and it uses the acronym HEAR, H-E-A-R. So as we read the passage, we might ask one another as we're in a small group setting, like, uh, what H, what verse did you highlight? And, you know, as you read that chapter, what verse did you, what jumped out at you? What did you highlight, and why did you do that? And boy, I love to hear that. And then H, uh, E, uh, like explain. If you can just like for that, that paragraph or that verse or that chapter, if you can just say in your own words in a sentence or so, kind of what's the big idea? Because if you can say it in your own words, you're kind of getting it, right? And then H, E, A, A, apply. So how would what's going on there and what's taught there, how would that apply to your life? And then R, how can we respond to it? What do I need to do in light of what I've learned? It's a great way to read the Bible and study it. And um, so, so this is one way that we want to dive into it and learn these things. And we want to take the meaning out. We want to take the meaning and just bring out what it's saying. Now, people who induce, they take a meaning that they have and try to shove it into a verse. 
Do you see the difference? They already have a thought. They already have an idea. And they want to find a verse they can cram that into and try to say it supports it. Not to do it that way. We're to take what the scripture says and bring the meaning out and apply it. Instead of taking an idea and shoving it in there. Okay? So we've got to be careful with that. Three big rules. Get them. Now I'm going to ask myself, what was the author's intent? I want to look and I can learn that. I can know that. What was the author's intent? Sometimes we just take one little paragraph, one little verse, which would be one, maybe a sentence out of everything that was said. And we want to make it say something that, you know, you can take a sentence out of, for instance, in the Bible, it says there is no God. Really? Yeah, but right before it says the fool says in his heart there is no God. You See what I'm saying? You got to look at context. You got to get the whole thing. And so I want to know what was the author's intent. And then secondly, interpret it in light of the context. Not take it out of it. And understand that this verse is part of a chapter. And that chapter is part of a book. And that book is a part of a bigger book. So I'm going to interpret the Bible. I'm going to interpret the verse in light of the chapter. And the chapter in light of the book. And that book in light of the whole Bible. It's got to be, it has got to be consistent. Okay? All right. And then... Uh, thirdly, let Scripture interpret Scripture. I'm going to look at other passages. Uh, the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. Okay, I'm going to look at other passages. Okay, I know. There's so much more. I'm excited about this. There's nothing more exciting than the Word of God because it is alive and powerful. Okay, And uh, I wish more people were excited. And All we can do here is provide classes and, and small groups and opportunities. And, 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 and it's like it's up to you to decide if you're going to partake. I mean, you might be like, I don't know why I'm so spiritually weak and why I'm having so much trouble. What are you, what's your spiritual diet? You know? Um, you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to stuff, but you've got to get yourself in the word you, you, okay? And, and it's kind of like if someone were weak and anemic and unhealthy and find out that they're not eating. You're not going to be healthy if you don't eat. One reason people are spiritually unhealthy is they're not partaking spiritually. And we're setting the, plate, we're, we're setting the plates out there constantly. Okay, I've got to, man, I've got to move on here. All right, here we go. What, what's, the, what's the biggie? What's the big one? There it is. How do I apply it? How do I apply it? Isn't that like the last point? All right. Let's get ready. Let's, don't, don't, don't let me lose you here. How do I apply it? None of the rest of it matters if you don't get this. This is the heart of the matter. You, you've got to read it and, and uh, you've got to ponder it and meditate on it. But it's not going to do you any good unless you apply it to your life. Remember a guy told me one time. He said, well, I've gone through the Bible three times. But the question isn't how many times have you gone through the Bible. The question is how many times has the Bible gone through you? Hey, yeah, amen, amen. Let it speak. Let it permeate your soul. Apply what it says. It moves from just being print on a page to it is alive and powerful as functioning as the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, which becomes a part of me and transforms my life and nourishes my soul. Don't just study it with a view to try to use it as a weapon on other people. Huh? Anybody ever? Yeah. Condemning other people, judging other people. Well, doesn't it? And people say, well, now doesn't it say in there somewhere? <laughs> doesn't, doesn't the Bible say that? Mm. And sometimes we gotta, we've got to correct and reprove each other. But you know how some people try to use a Bible like a club? Don't do that. Don't do that. Here's what we're to do. And, and, and I'll tell you, this verse really speaks to me. Because when I hear of somebody that's, is, that's you know, really failed, really messed up, really done something bad. Instead of jumping right in there and how people want to gossip about them, Well, did you hear you know, um, when someone starts out, well, did you hear? It's probably I don't need to hear. 
you know? Um, but the first thing I want to do, no matter what it was, instead of being judgmental, is look at my own heart and realize that I have the potential to do anything anybody's done. But for the grace of God, that could be me. 2 Corinthians 3, 13, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says, examine yourselves. It's not really my job to examine you, but me. Okay, I got to examine me. Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? You know what? You may be judging everybody else and you're missing something huge. Or I see something in your life that isn't a problem with me and I want to judge you on it, but I got bigger problems in my life that I don't want to see. Examine yourself. We've got to do that. So uh, that's part of the heart of it there is applying it here. Sometimes it's like surgery. You know, as I'm getting the word of God and applying it, it's like the Lord is like, uh, you know, like the surgeon. This is going to hurt, but, you know, he's got to cut deep sometimes. Actually, sometimes it's more like amputation. You know, it's difficult. And this is where a lot of times we bail out, isn't it? But the word of God, remember what we said? Listen to this. This is a verse we've been mentioning. Let's look at it. You ready to look at it? I'm going to look at it, and we'll look at it again before we're done. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living. It is alive and powerful. Amen? It's not just print on a page. It is alive. It is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's sometimes I don't even understand what the thoughts of my heart are, but the Word of God exposes it to me. It divides even. And we don't really sometimes know how to divide between soul and spirit, but the Word of God does. That's what he says right there. It even divides, discerns between soul and spirit. Now, real quick, a few pitfalls to avoid. First of all is the exception clause. This is where a person understands what it says, but they look for exceptions of how this doesn't really apply to me. It might apply to everybody else, but it doesn't apply to me. Um, that destroys the word. Are you with me? You're going to temp- be tempted to do that, that somehow you're an exception. All right? You'll never grow spiritually if you do that. Then there's the food bar approach. That's where you just kind of go through like food bar. Now they won't let you just take what you want. Somebody's got to serve it to you because they're afraid you're going to leave a virus. But I've always thought that. You know, the buffets, they have the sneeze guard and everything, but everybody touches the handles, that, right? That bothers me even before coronavirus. But anyway, but you go to a food bar and you just pick, I'll have some of that, oh, a little bit of that. No, 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 oh, a little bit of that. A lot of people approach the Bible that way. They just take the things that taste good and go down smoothly. Okay, and then and then here's the thing. You're not really in the word. You're not really getting what you need. But you'll say, see, there's food on my plate. So I'm in the word. I'm okay, Right. I study Bible all the time. But you're doing it like a food bar and you're not being challenged and you're not growing. And uh, see, you're like Thomas Jefferson. You know how Thomas Jefferson had his own Bible and he like cut out the parts he didn't like and, and the miracles and all that. And when you do that, you actually come up with your own Bible, your own Jesus and your own gospel and your own religion and your own God. You put yourself in charge of it, see? All right, and then the other thing's compromise by watering down what it is clearly teaching. It's when we deny what it says or we water down its authority. It doesn't, it, it, you know, we're saying it doesn't really say what it seems to be saying. That's when we miss the power of the Word of God. So watch out for these pitfalls. And here's something that I learned as you're reading and studying it. Some people try to make it say something that doesn't listen. This was, when I first got to, to Bible college and studying, this was something that's always been said many, many generations. If the natural sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. Okay? Don't try to make it say something. If the natural sense makes... Does it... Huh? If the natural sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. Yeah, it's saying what it's saying. I'll give you an illustration of that from Lee Strobel. Have we got time for that? You guys in a hurry? You look like you're in a hurry. Okay, it's nice in here. 
Lee Strobel gives a good illustration of this. A daughter and her friend were going to go out for a Coca-Cola and ice cream one night. The dad says, here's the word, you must be home by 11. You must be home. Actually, he said, you must be home before 11. And so now it's 1045, and they're out having fun, so they don't want to come home. So they begin to examine what dad said. Did dad really mean that when he said that? Did he mean it literally? Did he really mean us or that people in general or that people are generally home by 11? And what did he mean by you must be home before 11? Would a loving father be so adamant and inflexible? He probably meant it as a suggestion. He loves me, so doesn't he want me to have a good time? And what does he mean by home? You know, who's home? And isn't home where the heart is? Well, my heart's right here right now. I think I'm home. And what did he mean by before 11? Did he mean that in the exact literal sense? He didn't even say for clear whether it was a.m. or p.m. In fact, he didn't say if it was Eastern Standard Time or Central Daylight Savings Time. Actually, right now, it's only a quarter to seven in Honolulu. And and and. Furthermore, isn't it always before 11? I mean, no matter what time it is, it's always before the next 11. So with all these ambiguities and uncertainties, can we really be sure of what he meant at all? And if he can't make himself more clear, then we can't be held responsible. I think it's obvious that what the dad said, knowing the dad, knowing the context, knowing where he was standing, at home, where they were going. It's pretty clear what he said and what he meant by what he said. But this just shows you what we do to our Father's Word to try to jump through these hoops to not make it apply to us. Some parts of, Now, I'm going to say this. Some parts of the Bible, I grant you, are hard to understand. Right? There are some parts that are deep that are hard to understand. But watch this. Watch this. On the essentials of the faith, it's very clear. Because some parts of the Bible reflects cultures and lands that are far removed from us today. And some are very deep and, you know, people disagree about them. But those are the exceptions. On the essentials, it leaves little room for confusion. Like Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that disturb me. It's the parts of the Bible that I do understand that bother me the most. And remember, we're back to it again. Word of God, Hebrews 4.12. Word of God is alive, it's living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It is alive, it is exposing. That's tough when it cuts deep, isn't it? But isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? Nothing's gained, even if it goes against grain with the way I want to think and the way I want to do. Nothing's gained by ignoring, dodging, or compromising the truth. And don't we want our lives addressed at the deepest levels? And don't I want to be transformed? And don't I want to be energized by the presence and power of God from the inside out? There's going to be some painful moments in that. There's going to be some painful parts of me that I need to let God deal with, that I don't want to acknowledge, that I don't want to see. But the Word says what it says. It's interesting how we tend to flee from the very thing that will give us what we desire. We're running from the very thing that will give us what our hearts are looking for. Now, conclusion. The Bible is God's holy word. It's the holy scriptures. We need to get serious about reading and understanding it. And I need to always ask. I need to get tenacious about this. This needs to be one of the most serious things in our life. No matter what it means, I need to apply it. And with every page, I need to not only be thinking that, but I need to be asking, what attitude 
What action, what habit do I need to change to conform to what this is telling me, the Word of God is telling me? If you don't get to this point, you've fallen short. How do I need to change? God is the God of the universe, His authority, and the authority of the Word of God. Do you understand the authority of the Word of God? It's the authority of God. So how do I need to change to match this? What do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to start believing? What do I need to quit believing? What relationships do I need to work on? What ministry do I need to have with others? Only then does it do what it's designed to do. It becomes the very word of God, the very breath of God alive in your life. It becomes the most important, readable book you'll ever pick up. And I want to tell you, in the wrong hands and misinterpreted, it's one of the most dangerous. But understood rightly and applied correctly, it is the word of God, the very breath of God. And I finally come to the point that I ask what I need to change. I want to ask us to ask ourselves that as we pray. Father, help us, Lord, to...